Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time for Speaking of Sports, your weekly look inside at the stats, scores, opinions, and facts from a kid's point of view. You can't miss one moment of the action going on in the next hour. Now, here's your host. Thank you and welcome to the program, Speaking of Sports, on Voice America Kids. I'm Jason. I'm Fabian. And today we're going to be covering a variety of sports topics. Um, We're going to start out with some of the pitching dominance we've seen this season, last season, and in general in the post-steroid era in baseball. Um, You know, pitchers have been incredibly dominant in these past couple of years, especially last year was supposed to be the year of the pitcher, Um, but this year seems to almost be continuing that theme. We've seen two no-hitters, one from a pretty likely candidate, Justin Verlander, a guy with electric stuff, Um, but then one from uh, Liriano with the Twins, and he's a guy who's post-injury hasn't really ever gathered the dominant stuff he used to have, yet is still able to, at least on occasion, shut down today's hitters. So, Fabian, what do you think's really going on with today's hitters in this post-steroid era? Well, first of all, you notice also, with the pitcher stats improving, most of the hitter stats, not necessarily decreasing, but the strikeouts just coming and piling up. And also, I think lots more emphasis is on how to pitch. And, of course, the hitters, of course, not on steroids not really having that over advantage to pitchers, although you can make the case that pitchers did get caught for steroids, too. You could talk about Roger Clements and all those guys. But still, pitching, I think, also, although they don't have as good stuff, the pitching coaches have improved, and also you see the location for these pitchers, not the throwing, they have great location on the pitches. That, Like the old saying was, doesn't matter how hard you throw, if you place it right, you can't hit it. Uh, exactly. I think in that regard, it almost seems as if the pitchers have kind of evolved beyond the hitters right now. Like, the pitching game is ahead of the batting game these days. You look at it, like you mentioned, strikeouts piling up. Instead of seeing home run records broken, we're seeing the strikeout records broken. But guys like Reynolds in Baltimore, Justin Upton in Arizona, you know, um, Austin Jackson over in Detroit, we're seeing the guys strike out a ton which you almost imagine, you almost associate that more with the steroid era when you have these guys really swinging for defensive, for the fences, trying to hit the long ball. I think almost there's some philosophy issues in today's hitters where I think these guys really need to start shortening up their swings, getting away from these home run swings, um, and really trying to put the ball in play more. Of course, that being said, the only guy who's really putting up the big-time power numbers that we used to see back in the steroid era um, is a guy who has one of the biggest home run swings in baseball. Over in Toronto, Ho- Toronto Jose Batista is you know, last year's leader in home runs, surging ahead of everyone early in this season. And he's a guy who just totally swings for defenses, something discouraged by hitting coaches, but he's had a lot of success with it. Yeah, it's also because the hitting coaches did change the swing. Initially, the swing was just a wild swing. But now he's got more of a contact swing, but he's still swinging the emphasis of hitting that home run, but still it's more a controlled swing. And he's one of those guys that you don't see as much strikeouts with because he has a good eye and gets his pitch, and then he makes the pitcher pay for it. I think when we look at the guys who are striking out a ton, sometimes they're just maybe they're not big-time enough hitters. They're just not overall as talented hitters as guys like Guerrero. Um, or maybe they just need to change their philosophy, like you mentioned, you know, change their stroke, calm it down a bit, shorten the stroke. Um, and they can still swing for the fences like Batista does, 
uh, but they really need to control it and get a focus to it. Because that's something Batista really brings to the table. Is look at his home run totals. He pulls everything. Uh, I think he, he had two opposite field home runs in like a week span earlier this year, and they might have been his first two, either his first two or his second and third opposite field home runs of his career. Um, so he's a real guy. He's got a game plan up there. He's not wild. He knows what he's looking for and how he's going to hit it, despite being this home run hitting kind of a free swinger. Yeah, you see lots of these kids coming up nowadays. Like, I noticed the D-backs, Steven Drew, he, they come up with an uppercut swing. They want to make those big numbers to make that big splash and become well-known in the big leagues so they can stay there instead of what you used to see, which was more of guys who are there just to do their job and really become productive hitters that way. Although it is a much slower process, it generally is a more successful one. Uh, exactly. And maybe it's guys you know, trying to keep those power numbers Obviously, without the steroid option there, trying to keep those power numbers high, switching their swings up like that. Um, but, of course, with the talk is about the pitchers and their dominance, not necessarily the hitter's failure. Obviously, these things tie together. So we do have to look at some of the pitching that's taken place. Um, we've seen a lot of big names, especially this year. We've seen a lot of strange names up at the top of the pitching stats this year, which obviously it's early in the year. But even going back to last year, there were several guys who really burst onto the scene as dominant pitchers. Um, some of which young guys who were kind of on the rise in the first place, like Ubato, Menez, Josh Johnson. Um, but other times, this year and last year, we've seen guys who really, they weren't supposed to be big-time prospects, or they were guys who, you know, we thought we saw what they had to offer, we thought they saw their best, like a Francisco Liriano. Um, but suddenly, they're just these big-time pitchers again. What's going on with that? I think it's just more, once again, like I said earlier, going more on location, not trying to make people swing at bad pitches, It's more and relying on solely on stuff sometimes you have to realize sometimes it's better to pitch contact and be a bit more effective at at placing your pitches because sometimes in a situation it's better to go for the double play than it is the strikeout because strikeout sometimes you're still in the inning you still have trouble you need to get that double play ball you have to work on the location and also sometimes it's just P- pitchers command I've noticed this has gotten a lot better over the last couple of years pitchers have a bit more command over the pitches work more on getting command over those pitches and that has really led to success in the league like one of the guys who I think has some of the best command in the league and really has burst on the scene especially as a rookie last year Jaime Garcia who last year jumped up to that huge start injuries somewhat slowed down his totals but still this year has still jumped out and really has come out strong ERA about one now this year and as of right now undefeated just has been phenomenal and he's generally been thought of as just that traditional left-handed pitcher not necessarily the best stuff he's got a decent fastball or a pretty good changeup, and some good off-seat pitches but still he's able to control those command those into places where hitters can't really hit him for home runs or big hits if there are hits it's probably just dribblers through the hole uh, exactly. Garcia sitting uh, just above that 1-5 ERA mark. And we've really seen pitching the contact, as you mentioned, make a resurgence. Um, the guys who have been most consistent, for the most part, you look at a guy like Cliff Lee or a guy like Roy Holiday, they're able to go really deep into games. They're not pitching around looking for the perfect pitch. They're keeping at-bats short. And you look at a guy like Derek Lowe, who's revived his career because pitching the contact's better than it used to be. I think that's a big impact. Like you mentioned, control. I know I mentioned Cliff Lee. His control is as dominant as anybody I've ever seen. And yeah, I agree. The resurgence of pitching the contact 
you have these hitters kind of swinging out of their shoes. Um, hitters in general seem to be a bit worse off right now. Um, and yeah, for the most part, being able to pitch to contact, keep guys in the ballpark, keep guys in the infield even, that's the new dominant style. I think the hitters need to change their philosophies in order to keep up. Yeah, I think another example as maybe Justin Masterson this season has really improved with that. He was a sinker ball pitcher, often called considered to be wild, not that good of a pitcher. And, of course, this offseason we've seen him. He's kind of changed his delivery a little bit, made it more natural, looking more robotic. His sinker's improved, so he gets a lot more ground ball outs. He's really just improved. He's been one of the leading factors of why this Indians team is really good this year. Definitely. We'll have to wait and see which of these guys are here to stay and which are flashes in the pan. Um, if you'd like to email the show, be sure to send it to voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. Make sure you mention my name, Jason. And my name, Fabian. And mention the name of the show. That's Speaking of Sports. Uh, tell us something or ask questions that we can mention or answer on the air. Uh, now let's take a break. I'm Jason. I'm Fabian. Keep it right here. You're listening to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. Kids these days are so connected to the media that they can't help but be surrounded by news and politics. Today's kids get more information than kids of past generations, and because of that, they have more informed opinions. Kids today may not be able to vote yet, but they can certainly influence voters and issues with their voices. Tune in every week for America Today and talk about the issues and influence the decision makers. America Today airs every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support surprise you. Behind the Line is all about the inside of sports from a kid's point of view. This is a look at all of the action from Behind the Line. Join your host every Wednesday at 3 p.m. whether you're a kid or was a kid at some time in your life. We'll run down all of the scores, talk about the games of the past week, and preview what's coming up in the next week. You'll want to take notes because this is good stuff. The place to be Wednesdays at 3. That's 6 p.m. Eastern is the Voice America Kids channel for Behind the Line. Want to laugh yourself silly over the crazy happenings of the celeb world and beyond? Tune in to Behind the Mask on Voice America Kids. Your hosts will uncover the celebrities you know and love, along with some that you might not know in this country, but they are admired across the world. But it's not just the famous that need to look out. We'll look inside the music biz, stage, and of course, the big screen. Listen to Behind the Mask every Thursday at 8 p.m. on Broadway and 5 p.m. Hollywood side on the Voice America Kids channel. You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Welcome to the program, Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Fabian. And I'm Jason. And right now we're talking about how the NBA and NFL labor disputes have impacted how their sports have been run this year and possibly next year. Uh, Exactly. We've got two, I mean, on one hand they're different, but on 
the other end, they're kind of similar situations going on in pro football and pro basketball. The NFL, obviously, it's kind of stopped being an on-again, off-again lockout, and right now it's just been an off-again lockout for a while now. So obviously that's going to have a big impact on the rookie players that have been drafted and pretty much all the players in the league, certainly an impact on every single team, more so on teams looking to rebuild, making more dramatic changes. And the NBA labor issues, I mean, we certainly don't know if it's going into a lockout, but if they resolve something that lowers the salary cap in the NBA, um, the NBA's uh, salary cap structures, they've got that strange kind of soft cap system going on where pretty much every team's maxing out their salary cap. It's going to be, you know, interesting to see what happens because if they lower the salary cap, we might never see another big three type situation. I think that big three thing was one of the things that was really beginning to rise in the NBA because you saw all these super teams start to step up, like you saw last year the Knicks trading for Melo to create that kind of mini superstar group for New York. And also, of course, Celtics a couple years ago acquiring uh, Allen and Garnett, and also the rise of Rondo for that team. And also looking at how the Lakers had their mini big three because they had Bynum and they had Gasol and Bryant. So you see some of these big three teams trying to develop, and all of a sudden this lockout is trying to stop that. And also, you heard some rumors of contraction over this year. Over this year, because you've seen those big three teams starting to step up. So you've seen some of the smaller market teams becoming even more unnoticed, and not really much talent going there as compared to the big teams. Like L- Miami's got a huge media market. LA's got a huge media market, and as well as New York, of course, got the gigantic media market. And Boston still has a solid beast media market as well. Right, and I think that definitely could be really impactful on the NBA, um, on the NBA possibly not contracting that salary cap and instead just contracting the number of teams. Is as you mentioned, um, the big threes in these big media markets, these superstar teams, are amazing for the NBA. Um, parity is nice and all; everybody always appreciates parity in sports like baseball and the NFL and whatnot. But basketball, it's really a star-driven game. The NBA has kind of always been a star-driven league. And having these super teams in big markets, like you mentioned, like Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, um, even Miami, it's a great thing for the league to be able to get this, um, to be able to get these huge-name teams competing against each other, these heavyweight title fight types of playoff matchups like we see in Bulls Heat. Um, That's really great for the league. And, you know, the league has proven time and time again that they aren't really willing to make decisions to make the Knicks a contender. Um, but somehow I just struggle to believe that the league would kind of prevent the Knicks from getting on that level because they're in a great position to do so right now. Um, so I agree that I think contraction is probably the bigger possibility right now. Um, but whatever they do, it's going to have a huge impact on a lot of people, whether it's salary cuts impacting the teams kind of at the top or contraction impacting the teams more at the bottom. Yet again, contraction. Also, you have to look. Maybe it's not the best idea. Like we saw in these last playoffs, we've seen people from small markets like Oklahoma City has been phenomenal. They've got so much talent there. Memphis went so far without Rudy Gay, who was supposed to be that big-time scorer for them, big-time all-star for them for most of the season. So Memphis, one of those small market teams, really going far into these last playoffs. And also you've seen some of these smaller market teams really starting to develop and become really powerhouse, not necessarily powerhouses, but rising forces in the NBA. So that does cause some contraction rumors to go away. But also, NBA has been a star-driven league. And has I don't think there's really been a small market team that has really made a serious run 
in the playoffs that could actually win a championship or has come close to winning championships since that Reggie Miller Pacers team of 2000s. That Indiana, very small media market, but that team is solid those few years and really made a couple good runs at the playoffs. Right. Oklahoma City, as you mentioned, is really the counterpoint to this. And that they're a team, they're a small market team, although with a very dedicated fan base. That's the entire reason Oklahoma got that team, is they're a great fan base. Um, but yeah, exactly. They've built their team up more the old school way, the traditional way. They've drafted well. They're a team that struggled, so they got a high draft pick. They made a good pick, Kevin Durant. They struggled. They got a high draft kick. They made a good pick, Jeff Green. Same thing over and over again for guys like Russell Westbrook, James Harden. And then all of a sudden, you have this big-time team, not through the signing of superstars, um, like the big market teams we've seen try and do, New York, Boston, Miami, um, but just through the development of superstars, making your own. Um, so I agree that that could be impactful. And depending on how Oklahoma City does in this playoffs, um, how they fare against the, Ma- the, um, the Mavericks and in the future, that might have an impact on the league's decision. You never know. If Oklahoma City has a big-time fan following um, and is a big-time, you know, if they take out one of these big three teams, that could be a victory for these small market teams with fear of getting you know, removed via contraction over these big market teams uh, with the high salary, with the, uh, who are pushing the salary cap with these big threes and whatnot. Yes, and the big three teams also, like the huge teams, have been great, and sometimes Miami gets made fun of for its not-so-great fan base because they always never nearly show up until at the end of the first quarter, but still they've had that opportunity because they have that great market and look at now Sacramento a team that possibly could have moved to Anaheim this season will stay in Sacramento at least one more year has that extremely dedicated fan base except they haven't had that great of luck when it comes to drafting players necessarily and since it's not that big of a market you know it's in the capital of California you know technically LA is pretty much the media capital of California they haven't been able to be successful for quite a while since Chris Webber left. Uh, exactly, but at the same time, as you mentioned, back then, with those Chris Webber, Mike Bibby kings, um, they were successful. So it's really a question mark here. Um, but one of the things they might try and do is instead of trying to cut the salary cap as a whole, uh, lower the amount going to rookies, you know, bigger rookie wage scales going on, uh, which could be a possibility. I know there's a lot of talk in the media about the NBA kind of rookie process needing to be totally just redone. Um, a lot of people have big problems with one and done in college. Some people feel that they should just remove it, let people just come straight out of high school if they don't want to go to school. Others feel that they should increase it and make people stick around longer because one and done hurts these universities. Um, so as a whole, that might be where the impact comes. These guys who, you know, trying to just go almost, you know, from rags to riches, wind up, you know, these one and done guys who are looking to get the big deal in the NBA, they might even be the ones hurt. They might not be getting the huge deals, which obviously in that case, that probably helps out, I don't know, maybe Cleveland for the most part, a team looking at two top four picks in the draft right now. They're going to have to shell out some money to get to sign these players. Yeah, but technically also NBA players still can go to high school still can go to the league straight from high school. It's just that they want to go to college for that one year. Just that you want that exposure from the pro teams. And then after after that season, then they can cash in. And also, I think that could be a trouble that like they would probably remove the lower the wage scale because you've seen players these last couple of years like John Wall and also, of course, Derrick Rose, who Derrick Rose definitely has proven that he's deserved this money. John Wall, not as much. But coming in, unproven 
just one year in college that was good to hear, and they get paid all this money, get all this endorsement deals. Now, if you lower the amount of money, they could still make that money off the endorsement deal, so I don't think the rookies would mind as much. And also, I think it probably would be the best strategic move for the NBA if it wants to cut costs, although the NBA is currently thriving in its, in its current system. Uh, definitely, that might be the best move. Um, but what we know is they probably, looking at the NFL lockout, that's had to have a big impact on what the NBA is doing. The NFL lockout with its terrible publicity, it's just a bad situation. And you look at that and the impact that is having on rookies, it almost seems like you might almost expect the Players Association of the NBA to decide, you know, it's worse for our rookies to have a lockout and not be able to learn and play and develop than it is for them to make less money. Because in the long run, they'll still be able to interact with their coaches, learn their positions and their playbooks, um, and they'll make that money up in the long run. Whereas you look at some of these guys coming into the league in the NFL, and you wonder if some of this might have, you know, effects that cannot be fixed in the long term. If some of these rookie guys will never be able to fully develop because they're not able to interact with their coaches and learn here in this first offseason. And you look at it, and acquiring a quarterback, that's something it takes time for them to get settled in, understand the team. You look at Brett Favre last year, who you know came in late, they shipped him in from Mississippi late in the training camp, and that had a big impact. That team could never really get it going. So I have to see if these veteran guys that come in and these rookie guys, if they can get it going for their teams, and if it won't have big impacts even in the future. Yes, that really is a problem for the NFL coming up. If you'd like to email the show, send it to www.voiceamericakids at yahoo.com and make sure to mention my name, Fabian. Or my name, Jason. And mention the name of the show, which is Speaking of Sports. Tell us something or ask us questions that we can mention or possibly answer on the air. Let's take a break. I'm Fabian. And I'm Jason. Keep it right here. You're listening to Voice America Kids. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you believe in the supernatural? Well, some do and some don't, which is why Beyond the Third Dimension looks at both sides. You have one host who believes in ghosts, while the other can't think of anything more ridiculous. Put them together and you get some great discussion and some real discoveries and exploration of the paranormal and then some. Tune in to Beyond the Third Dimension, airing Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. And try not to be afraid of things that go bump in the night. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Kids face very tough and very real issues every single day. It can be bad. It can be ugly. Now there's something good that can help. 
Tune in to the good, the bad, and the ugly on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll discuss the issues and provide solutions and connections to solutions that you will be able to use. Our show goes right to the heart of today's kids and beyond. Your parents will probably want to listen in, too. The good, the bad, and the ugly airs Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 Eastern on Voice America Kids. But sometimes they can get to be a handful. And just when you think you have them under control, that's when things get, well, crazy. For help, tune into Paul's Around the World. You'll get the inside secrets on keeping your pet the friend it's supposed to be, along with stories to keep you warm and fuzzy. Listen Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Thank you, and welcome back to the program, Speaking of Sports, on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jason. I'm Fabian. And right now, we're talking about the drama that's been going on with some of these NBA teams. Uh, We've seen a lot of, especially the best teams in the NBA, um, usually look at dramatic situations among teams' conflict. It's usually in the big market teams who aren't succeeding. But we're looking at these big market teams that are succeeding, having a lot of internal conflict. You look at the Lakers, um, their sudden dismissal from the playoffs, which is allegedly built around these trust issues, this internal conflict. And we know Bynum has talked about trust issues in that locker room, and there are lots of reports trickling out. Um, Obviously, the Thunder benching Russell Westbrook for the entire fourth quarter, which, you know, again, it's something where we've heard conflicting things. Westbrook says he's fine with it. It's all good now. But if you look at the bench during that fourth quarter, Westbrook looked absolutely miserable at times. Um, And then we're going to actually look back at the Miami Heat, the drama that they've been through. Obviously, the Kings of Controversy over in Miami, um, they had their entire cry gate, all of their issues. We're going to look at how a team like that has been able to kind of develop out of it, see if the Lakers can do that. Uh, So, Fabi, why don't you start us off um, with this Lakers drama. What do you think is really going to make out of this? Well, first of all, I think there is somewhat drama there, but I think because it's L.A., or since it's because it's one of those big-time, prime-time teams that you've always heard about NBA, always been one of the best teams, it kind of gets turned into something bigger, especially since L.A.'s been very successful the last couple of years. Everyone expected them to have a three-peat, and all of a sudden this collapsed in the second round. And you kind of saw it coming in the first round, and throughout the season you saw some signs but you kind of dismissed it because if you've won two championships, you deserve the right of way. You, you really, oh, they've won two championships. Don't worry. They'll probably do it again. They haven't really made that many changes to that team. But still, I think, really, that team I knew, I kind of could sense during the year that they kind of had something up this year. Something was just a bit off. You could kind of see in some stretches. Some stretches are phenomenal, like they started out 17-1 and post-All-Star break, and some stretches they looked just completely out of sync. They either weren't putting in the effort, or they just weren't working well together. Like sometimes Gasol would just drift out of the game. Sometimes Kobe would try to go back to his old ways of when he pretty much had to carry his team, just scoring in bunches, but the rest of the team couldn't do much. And I think the really the thing that told me that really kind of convinced me that the Lakers probably would not win the championship that year was Christmas Day when the Lakers just got blown out by the Heat, who at that time everyone was saying, oh, they can't be a good team. 
Heat aren't going to do good. And all of a sudden, they come in to they go into L.A. and blow out the two-time defending champs. Uh, exactly. The Heat, you know, the Heat, that was really the first time we saw them start to pick it up after their early season struggles. Um, by the way, in case you haven't really been following the uh, the news coming out, um, what we've heard is allegedly Kobe Bryant's wife had something to do with Gasol's uh, girlfriend breaking up with him, and there's allegedly Gasol and Bryant weren't speaking to each other for a bit. So that's the real rift that's been caused here, and obviously that led to the events, as you mentioned, of the second round of the playoffs, particularly that awful game four where the Mavericks just blew them off the court and the Lakers had a couple of hard fouls to really almost dirty plays um but I agree you came you went uh you mentioned Kobe trying to take over games kind of trying to do his one-man show deal and I think that is why this Lakers team is going to figure it out is going to stick together is Kobe kind of remembers what it was like back when he had forced out Phil and he had forced out Shaq um what it was like back when he was supposed to carry this team alone and he remembers what it's like to go into the first round of the playoffs and just lose. Um, and I don't think Kobe wants to go back to that. Kobe is definitely a guy, the one thing you can't take away from him is that he is a guy who wants to win above everything else. Um, you know, you can argue he's not a team player or whatever, but at the same time, what he wants is he wants to win. Um, and Gasol, you got to imagine Gasol, it seems that he loves to be a big-time player. He loves showing up in the playoffs and performing there. Um, and I imagine he probably doesn't want to go back to the way it was back when he was in Memphis and his team just didn't stand a chance. Um, so I think that's really is probably what I think is going to keep this thing to get together. And I think that this team is probably going to stick together. Obviously, they're going to make some basketball moves. I think there's going to be changes in the roster. But I'd expect Kobe and Gasol to be around next year. Well, I I'm not so sure. Maybe I'll probably there's lots of tra- there's talks to talk that maybe Gasol could be involved in a trade. Like I personally feel that a trade that could go down maybe help the Lakers really just be instant championship contenders once again would be maybe the B- Bynum Gasol and Odom possibly with some draft picks getting Dwight Howard who's phenomenal and. Jameer Nelson, who's that big point guard that they've been missing. That could be a possible trade that could go down. And also, speaking of point guards, Derek Fisher and Kobe Bryant, I think I give props to Derek Fisher and them. They have been around the team for a while. They've won the championships with the team, but I still think somewhat a fault in leadership. You could see that somewhat, especially when it came down to Game 4. Like During the year, you could see that sometimes they lacked leadership. They were there's sometimes lack of effort, and they those leaders couldn't really step up and really help the team as much. And also, I think what probably should happen, but I was surprised and completely shocked because I still had some faith in the leadership there. After Game 4, especially when Odom got ejected for that foul when it came to, for that foul to Nowitzki, I think what should have happened, both Fisher... And uh, Kobe should have gotten the team together and tell them just cut it out because knowing the Lakers, their history, they have to win with some sort of dig. They have to win or lose with dignity. And then all of a sudden, a minute later, Bynum comes in with probably one of the most reckless fouls I've seen, especially when it came down to playoff time. She's coming in and completely clotheslining J.J. Barea, who's half a size almost. And really just really just exemplified the Lakers season that way of just going out with a bang not really being that team anymore and you can kind of see how 
really that like that leadership issue somewhat could come in and some also with earlier in the series Bynum coming out and saying the Lakers had trust issues uh, I think that was also a problem somewhat on the immaturity of Bynum that's why I think he might lead the Lakers but also he if there was any problem any player should be able to come up and talk to that problem with your captains your leaders and get that settled instead of going to the media trusting the media a bit more than your leader right and i agree with your point on fisher which is i'm not sure if this team really still listens totally to Derek fisher obviously from a basketball standpoint there's there's a lot to be there's a lot missing from fisher these days he's pretty much too slow to guard most of the point guards in the nba um i wonder if that that kind of lack of basketball skills due to age has impacted what the team thinks of him. Um, as far as Kobe, I don't think this team can turn on Kobe. This is Kobe's team. But yeah, I wonder if maybe Kobe quit on this team and, as you mentioned, didn't sit them all down after the Odom fell. Um, but speaking of point guards, uh, and you make a good point that these guys really need to be able to be vocal about these issues, uh, we go over to Oklahoma City, a team who did advance as playing that Mavericks team that knocked out the Lakers. Russell Westbrook, Game 2, the big uh, turning point game for the Thunder that really you know, made them look like contenders again, sitting for the entire fourth quarter. And we're hearing a lot of strange things coming out from there. You know, Sometimes Westbrook is saying that he was good with it, that he's fine. Um, but other times it really didn't look that way. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Where do you think Westbrook's going to go with this? I think it isn't nearly as much of a conflict as people are saying because Westbrook, he admits his play in this in this series has not been as good as where it needs to be. He has more turnovers than he does assists in this series, which is never a good thing, especially for a point guard. And he is somewhat frustrated with his play, which I'm not sure if he's frustrated with the fact that he got sat out in that fourth quarter. I think he's more frustrated with how he's been playing. And also, I give credit to Scott Brooks. He handled that situation extremely well. And also, that bench, it was smart for him to keep him in, to keep uh, the bench in the game. That bench was phenomenal, probably the reason why they won that game. James Harden was phenomenal, had 23 points. And, of course, Russell Westbrook has had himself pretty much a tough playoffs all around. His numbers have been there, but except... This series, of course, turnover numbers are up, but still he's received a whole bunch of criticism because it has been talked that he's been holding the ball and pretty much not giving Durant, that superstar scorer, the chances to help him in those key possessions late in games. All right, and I think the, as you mentioned, Scott Brooks in that situation, the coach of the Thunder, he's really important in this entire situation um, because that team, they don't have a Kobe Bryant. Obviously, they have, or a Derek Fisher, obviously, they have a guy like Durant and even Westbrook himself. These are young guys who are superstars and seem to be rising as team leaders. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's tough because uh, Durant hasn't exactly, he's not a veteran guy. Nobody on this team among their top players is really a big-time veteran guy. Um, so, you know, it's a big it's a bit of an issue there. And you look at a guy like Scott Brooks. Also, he's not Phil Jackson. He's a more of a situation similar to almost like Eric Spolster back with the Heat were struggling. So we'll have to see, without the big-time leadership guys there, or at least the big-time veteran leaders there, if this doesn't escalate with the Thunder. Uh, if you'd like to email the show, be sure to send it to voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. Make sure you mention my name, Jason. And my name, Fabian. And mention the name of the show. That's Speaking of Sports. Tell us something or ask questions that we can mention or answer on the air. Remember, new shows air every Friday. So now let's take a break. I'm Jason. I'm Fabian. 
keep it right here. You're listening to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. The Terrence Rogers Show will take the world by storm. The topics are sometimes newsworthy, sometimes personal, as we explore fashion, entertainment, art, and more. Host Terrence Rogers has seen a lot of life experience in his few years of life. It's this experience that allows him to bring a fresh perspective to the table, and he holds nothing back. Tune in to The Terrence Rogers Show every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. You'll laugh, cry, and most importantly, this show will reach out and touch your... We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. What is Take Two? Take two crazy hosts, put them in front of two microphones, and use your two ears to enjoy the fun. Times two. Take Two. We'll go back, way back to the favorite TV shows of our childhood. Your parents' childhood. Um, no. Uh, try again, Chris. Take two. We'll take you back to the favorite TV shows of our generation, past and present, and apply them to what's going on in our own lives. Trust us, it'll be a blast. Tune in to Take Two every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Kids channel. There is so much going on in the tech field. The Technology Show is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to The Technology Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Kids. What are some of the issues that kids face every day? You'll find out when you tune into the appropriately named Today's Kids. Your hosts are here to open the doors to a forum of all kinds of issues. Nothing is off the table here, and because it's on the Voice America Kids channel, you know you're getting a kid's perspective. Tune in every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Today's Kids. Your hosts will lead this forum of engaging conversation on Voice America Kids. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Welcome back to the program Speaking of Sports on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Fabian. And I'm Jason. And right now we're talking about our sports and states segment. This week's segment is a state not really well known for sports, but certainly doesn't have its notable athletes from it, which is the state of Alaska. 
Definitely. Alaska, an interesting state in all regards, uh, and certainly an interesting state in sports. And Fabian, I'm sure there's some listener who last week was sitting at home going, well, Alabama, there's no way they're doing Alaska after this, but we are faithful to the alphabet. Alaska's coming up. Um, So Alaska, yeah, exactly. As you mentioned, it's a strange state as far as sports are concerned. Obviously known for world-class like hunting and fishing, and then obviously dog sledding is popular up there. Um, Obviously pretty much the the mecca, so to speak. Um, But also some big-name athletes in some other sports you might not have thought of. And uh, University of Alaska Anchorage certainly has a uh, knack for pulling the big-time upset, being uh, certainly an underdog in virtually every situation. So yeah, certainly not just the Alaskan sports going on up in Alaska. You've got some hockey players, surprisingly number, surprising number of uh, talented basketball players, and really, it's it's kind of like every other state when you look at it. There are a lot of big time athletes who've come out of there, and a lot of big time sports stories that happen there every single day, every single year. Yeah, and that every state is pretty much the same, of course. The number and the history and the past has really differs from state to state. You see some states a lot more sports history, like such as Alabama than others. But of course, you have certainly a lot of talent and a lot of athletes coming from Alaska. So you have to cut it some slack. Exactly. Obviously, it's in a strange situation. There's never really a candidate for a professional sports team. Uh, we can certainly talk about that. Uh, Alaska, obviously, it's it's way up there. It's almost, you know, it's past Canada. It's a big distance for any mainland team to travel, uh, which definitely impacts their ability to recruit for collegiate positions and also their ability to compete collegiately. And really, obviously, I think that's the main factor that's prevented them from really getting a big-time professional sports team is that travel factor. And obviously, there are weather effects. Um, but as we were discussing during the break, there's the chance, you know, a dome could certainly help prevent that. Um, but a dome certainly doesn't prevent the lengthy travel times the teams would have to go through to play up in Alaska. Yeah, speaking of travel times, also you have that same problem with Hawaii because, of course, who wouldn't want to live in Hawaii? But also, it's a long time traveling distance, especially for those East Coast teams. That's why, like, especially in the NFL and Major League Baseball where East Coast teams have to travel often to play those West Coast teams and unlike the NBA where you don't really see as many Eastern Conference teams coming West as often. Exactly. I think that might have to be necessary um, for Alaska to have an impact in pro sports like that is they would need to be in an East-West league like you mentioned. If they could play, you know, if you put them in the NBA's you know, Northwest region, if you had them playing up against Oklahoma City and whatnot, the travel times would be bad, but they just wouldn't be, you know, that atrociously terrible. You could get a team up there. Um, but, of course, speaking of the NBA, there are a couple of big-name current NBA players having big impact in this year's postseason that are from Alaska. Uh, most notably, you look at the Bulls Heat series. A lot of people are calling it, you know, the matchup of the MVPs, Rose versus LeBron. Really, it's the matchup of the Alaskan superstars. You have Carlos Boozer, of course, the Bulls power forward, big-name offseason signing. And then you have uh, Mario Chalmers, uh, frequently the starting point guard. They have a rotation system going in Miami with him and Bibby. Um, but yeah, big-time point guard for the Heat. And, of course, both guys with huge collegiate careers also. Um, not attending the previously mentioned University of Alaska Anchorage, um, but at Duke for Boozer and uh, Kansas for Chalmers. These are guys who are superstars in college and have made their name in the NBA as big-time players. 
Yes, Mario Chalmers is pretty much one of the key defensive factors for that Miami Heat team, which has one of the top two NBA uh, defenses. And also, Carlos Boozer is a guy who can score, he's physical, he can rebound, he can defend, and he's really that complementary factor to Derrick Rose when he's gone. When he's on. Exactly, and Boozer has been regarded by a lot of people as the, the X factor in this series. If he can play up to a level that he used to play at in Utah, um, then a lot of people are giving the Bulls the chance to beat the Heat. So certainly big-time impact players coming out of Alaska. Um, but of course, we mentioned Alaska basketball in Utah. I'm sure if we have any listeners up in Alaska, what you would probably associate that with is one of the biggest upsets in the history of college basketball that was performed by UAA, the University of Alaska at Anchorage. Um, 1988 Utah Classic. Uh, Alaska Anchorage is a Division II school. They're taking on Michigan, a team led by Glenn Rice, who I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with, big-time college and pro player. Um, and sure enough, they pulled the upset over a number two ranked Michigan. And you know, Alaska, that's what these guys are good at. You look at Chalmers and Boozer, both these guys seem to play with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. You mentioned both these guys, big time defensive players, and that's what UAA was able to do too. I mean, you look at Carlos Boozer, he's virtually he's one of the highest paid players in the NBA. He's playing for the number one team in the league. But still, he's got a chip on his shoulder. He gets a mentality of him against the world. And that's kind of what UAA was able to do when they took down that powerhouse of Michigan. Yeah, it's not just in basketball. Like, you see lots of Alaskan guys, and when you come in and see them in sports, they kind of come in and play with a chip on the shoulder. Like, you'd say, Mark Schlereth, who was a guard for, the, for those two-time, defend, two-time Super Bowl champ uh, Broncos team, one of the key factors of that team, had a real chip on his shoulder. Of course, probably the most notable guy out of Alaska is probably the best postseason big-time pitcher ever in Kurt Schilling, who is absolutely phenomenal, has so many postseason records, and also has been very above average when it came time to be regular season as well. Exactly, and we go from guys who show that that chip on their shoulder, like you mentioned, through defense and basketball and Boozer and Chalmers, to do guys who can kind of show it vocally almost in Schwerth and Schilling, uh, both guys who after their uh, pro careers ended, they've been able to make big names up in the um, media area. Schlereth, probably more known by most of our listeners as, you know, a common guy on ESPN. He's certainly one of the favorites on Mike and Mike in the Morning, comes through on NFL Live. And what makes him so good is obviously that great insight that he got being a being a big-time offensive lineman and playing with great players like John Elway and being a great player himself. But also, he's just had that defiance to him that really kind of defined his NFL career and makes him, frankly, makes him hilarious when he's in as a broadcaster. Same thing with Kurt Schilling, always a guy willing to speak his mind, um, sometimes to the dismay of you know many people, but certainly a guy who's always willing to go up against the odds, whether he's you know whether he's hurt his ankle and is bleeding through his sock, or you know simply if he wants to talk trash about Barry Bonds, he's a guy who's not going to let anything stop him. He will push through whatever he needs to. Yeah, and Schlereth and Schilling have somewhat of a bit of a connection because Schlereth's son is actually a pitcher in the major leagues currently, relief pitcher Daniel Schlereth. And, I th- and of course, Schilling, very vocal and very helpful, well, very well respected throughout Major League Baseball, of course, giving his insights to many pitchers, and probably one of those being Daniel Schlereth. And Kurt Schilling, speaking of which... Yeah, there's lots of debate and controversy possibly over what team possibly, if he does make the Hall of Fame, which I believe he will, what team will he enter with? Because he's had numerous success with some, with three or four different teams. Exactly. This is a guy who, um, 
changing changing his location hasn't really affected him. He's been able to be solid no matter where he was. Philadelphia, Arizona, Boston. Things just don't get to these guys, seemingly these Alaskan guys. Um, we even didn't even count some of the best players in the NHL that they produce, like a Scott Gomez. All in all, these Alaskan sports players, there's something to them. There's a toughness and a resilience bred out in you know, the cold of the northern front of Alaska. Yes, and I'm sure every coach will want a guy that's like that. Uh, that's going to do it. Thanks for joining us. Listen to the show weekly on voiceamericakids.com. Contact us at voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. Mention our name and our show, which is Speaking of Sports, and we'll answer any response. Keep it right here. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Thanks again for listening to Speaking of Sports on the Voice America Kids channel. Make sure you come on back next week for another great show. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Real kids, real talk radio. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today.